Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Today, we will be concentrating on the Shabbat before Purim. Next week will be Purim, so this week would be nice if our followers could watch the Book of Esther. There are several good movies out that you could enjoy to get familiar with what happened during Purim. Another important point for today is remembering Amalek. And uh, I will read out of the um, paraphrased Living Bible to make it clearer what that's about. So Deuteronomy 25, 17 through 19 is very clear as to what remembering Amalek is about. The Lord says, you must never forget what the people of Amalek did to you as you came from Egypt. Remember that they fought with you, struck down those who were faint, weary, and lagging behind. With no respect or fear of God, therefore, when the Lord your God has given you rest from all your enemies in the promised land, you are to utterly... You are utterly to destroy the name of Amalek from under heaven. Never forget this. So this is in remembrance. The first part of the Shabbat reading, the parasha, will be all about the instructions for the construction. God was very specific about the construction of the house that was to be built for him to come and meet with his people. He was very clear about the construction. He was clear about the apparel. He was specific about the construction inside and out. And we will read about it in a little while. Instructions for the ceremonies, the assembly, the instructions, of all the sacrifices, he was very, very clear about it. A lot of it has no relevance for us today. It's just a reminder to tell us how important details are to God. And uh, we will go over that, and then there will be a relation to the New Testament. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Adonai said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to take up a collection for me, accept a contribution from anyone who wholeheartedly wants to give. The contribution you are to take from them is to consist of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, fine linen, goat's hair, tanned ram skins, and fine leather, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices, for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones and other stones to be set for the ritual vest and breastplate. They are to make me a sanctuary so that I may live among them. You are to make it according to everything I show you, the design of the tabernacle and the design of its furnishings. 
This is how you are to make it. They are to make an arc of acacia wood three and three quart quarters feet long, two and a quarter feet wide, and two and a quarter feet high. You are to overlay it with pure gold, overlay it both inside and outside, and put a molding of gold around the top of it. Cast four gold rings for it and attach them to its four feet, two rings on each side. Make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Put the poles through the rings on the sides of the ark. You'll use them to carry the ark. The poles are to remain in the rings of the ark. They are not to be removed from it. Into the ark, you are to put the testimony which I am about to give you. You are to make a cover for the ark out of pure gold, and it is to be three and three quarters feet long, two and a quarter feet wide. You are to make two carowim of gold. Make them of hammered work for the two ends of the ark cover. Make one caravu for one end and one caravu for the other end. Make the cherubim of one piece with the ark cover at its two ends. The caravim will have their wings spread out above so that their wings cover the ark and their faces are toward each other and toward the ark cover. You are to put the ark cover on top of the ark. Inside the ark, you will put the testimony that I'm about to give you. There, I will meet with you. I will speak with you from above the ark cover, from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark for the testimony, about all the orders I am giving you for the people of Israel. You are to make a table of arcacia wood, three feet long, 18 inches wide, and 18 inches high. Overlay it with pure gold and put a molding of gold around the top of it. Make around it a rim of hand breadth wide and put a molding of gold around the rim. Make four gold rings for it and attach the rings to the four corners near its four legs. The rings to hold the poles used to carry the table are to be placed close to the rim. Make the poles of arcacia wood, overlay them with gold, and use them to carry the table. Make its dishes, pans, bowls, <clears throat> pitchers of pure gold. On the table you are to place the bread of the presence, in my presence always. You are to make a menorah of pure gold. It is to be made of hammered work. Its base, shaft, cups, ring, and outer leaves and petals are to be of one piece with it. It is to have six branches extending from its sides, three branches of the menorah on one side of it and three on the other. On one branch are to be three cups shaped like almond blossoms, each with a ring 
of outer leaves and petals. Likewise, on the opposite branch, three cups shaped like almond blossoms, each with a ring of outer leaves and petals. The similarly and similarly for all six branches extending from the menorah, one on the central <laughs> shaft of the menorah are to be four cups shaped like almond blossoms, each with its ring and outer leaves and petals. Where each pair of branches joins, the central shaft is to be a ring of outer leaves of one piece with the pair of branches. Thus, for all six branches, the rings of outer leaves and their branches are to be of one piece with the shaft. Thus, the whole menorah is to be a single piece of hammered work made of pure gold. Make seven lamps with a menorah and mount them so as to give light to the space in front of it. Its tongs and trays are to be of pure gold. The menorah and its utensils are to be made of 66 pounds of pure gold. See that you make them according to the design. You are to make the tabernacle with 10 sheets of finely woven linen and with blue, purple, and scarlet yarn. You are to make them with caravan worked in that have been crafted by skilled artists. Each one is to be 42 feet long and six feet wide. All the sheets are to be the same size. Five sheets are to be joined one to another and the other five sheets are to be joined one to another. Make loops of blue on the edge of the outermost sheet in the first set and do the same on the edge of the outermost sheet in the second set. <clears throat> make 50 loops on the one sheet and make 50 loops on the edge of the sheet in the second set. The loops are to be opposite one another. Make 50 fasteners of gold and couple the sheets to each other with the fasteners so that the tabernacle forms a single unit. You are to make sheets of goat's hair to be used as a tent covering, <clears throat> covering the tabernacle. Make 11 sheets. Each sheet is to be 45 feet long and six feet wide. All 11 sheets are to be the same size. Join five sheets together and six sheets together and fold the six sheet double at the front of the tent. Make 50 loops on the edge of the outermost sheet in the first set and 50 loops on the edge of the outermost sheet in the second set. Make 50 fasteners of bronze. Put the fasteners in the loops and join the tent together so that it forms a single unit. As for the overhanging part that remains of the sheets forming the tent, the half sheet remaining is to hang over the back of the tabernacle and the 18 inches on the one side and 18 inches on the other side of the remaining in length of the sheets forming the tent is to hang over the tabernacle to cover it on each side. You are to make a covering for the tent of tanned ram skins and an outer covering of fine leather. 
Make the upright planks for the tabernacle out of our acacia wood. Each plank is to be 15 feet long and two and a quarter feet wide. There are to be two projections on each plank, and the planks are to be joined one to another. That is how you are to make all the planks for the tabernacle. Make the planks for the tabernacle as follows. 20 planks for the south side facing southward. Make 40 silver sockets under the 20 planks, two sockets under one plank for its two projections, and two sockets under another plank for its two projections. For the second side of the tabernacle to the north, make 20 planks, and there 40 silver sockets, two sockets under one plank and two under another. For the rear part of the tabernacle toward the west, make six planks. For the corners of the tabernacle in the rear, make two planks. These are to be double from the bottom all the way to the top, but joined at a single ring. Do the same with both of them. They are to form the two corners. Thus, there will be eight planks with their silver sockets, 16 sockets, two sockets under one plank and two under another. Make crossbars of acacia wood, five for the planks of the one side of the tabernacle, five crossbars for the planks of the other side of the tabernacle, and five crossbars for the planks at the side of the tabernacle at the rear toward the west. The middle crossbar, halfway up the planks, is to extend from end to end. Overlay the planks with gold. Make gold rings for them through which the crossbars will pass and overlay the crossbars with gold. You are to erect the tabernacle according to the design you've been shown on the mountain. You are to make a curtain of blue, purple and scarlet yarn and finely woven linen. Make it with cherubim worked in that have been crafted by a skilled artisan. Hang it with gold hooks on four acacia wood posts overlaid with gold and standing in four silver sockets. Hang the curtain below the fasteners. Then bring the ark for the testimony inside the curtain. The curtain will be the divider for you between the holy place and the especially holy place. You are to put the ark cover on the ark for the testimony in the especially holy place. You are to put the table outside the curtain and the menorah opposite the table on the side of the tabernacle toward the south. Put the table on the north side. For the entrance to the tent, make a screen of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely woven linen. It should be in colors, the work of a weaver. For the screen, Make five posts of acacia wood, overlay them with gold, and cast for them five sockets of bronze. You are to make the altar of acacia wood seven and a half feet long and seven and a half feet wide. The altar is to be square and four and a half feet high. Make horns for it on its four corners. The horns are to be of one piece with it, and you are to overlay it with bronze. 
Make its pots for removing ashes and its shovels, basins, meat hooks, and fire pans. All its utensils you are to make of bronze. Make for it a grate of bronze netting. And on the four corners of the netting, make four bronze rings. Put it under the rim of the altar so that the netting reaches halfway up the altar. Make poles of arcacia wood for the altar and overlay them with bronze. Its poles are to be put into the rings. The poles are to be on both sides of the altar for carrying it. The altar is to be made of planks and hollow inside. They are to make it just as you were shown on the mountain. Here is how you are to make the courtyard of the tabernacle. On the south side, facing southward, are to be tape tapestries for the courtyard made of finely woven linen, 150 feet for each one side, supported on 20 posts in 20 bronze sockets. The hooks on the posts and the attached rings for hanging are to be of silver. Likewise, along the north side are to be tapestries 150 feet long, hung on 20 posts in 20 bronze sockets with silver hooks and rings for the posts. Across the width of the courtyard on the west side are to be tapestries 75 feet long, hung on 10 posts and 10 sockets. The width of the courtyard on the east side, facing east, will have 75 feet. The tapestries for one side of the gateway will be 22 and a half feet long, hung on three posts in three sockets. For the other side, there will be tapestries 22 and a half feet long on three posts in three sockets. For the gateway of the courtyard, there's to be a screen 30 feet long made of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely woven linen. It should be in colors, the work of a weaver. It's to be on four posts and four sockets. All the posts all the way around the courtyard are to be banded with silver and to stand in sockets of bronze. The length of the courtyard is to be 150 feet and the width 75 feet everywhere with the height seven and a half feet. The tapestries and screen are to be of finely woven linen and the sockets are to be of bronze. All the equipment needed for every kind of service in the tabernacle as well as the tent pegs for the tabernacle and for the courtyard are to be of bronze. Deuteronomy 25, 17 through 19. Remember what Amalek did to you on the road as you were coming out of Egypt. How he met you by the road, attacked those in the rear, those who were exhausted and straggling behind when you were tired and weary. He did not fear God. Therefore, when Adonai your God has given you rest from all your surrounding enemies in the land Adonai your God has given you as your inheritance to possess, you are to blot out all memory of Amalek from under heaven. Don't forget.
1 Samuel 15, 2 through 34. Here is what Adonai Tazavo says. I remember what Amalek did to Israel, how they fought against Israel when they were coming up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and completely destroy everything they have. Don't spare them, but kill men, women, children, and babies, cow, cows, sheep, camels, and donkeys. Shaul summoned the people <clears throat> and reviewed them in Talaim. 200,000 foot soldiers with another 10,000 men from Judah. Shaul arrived at the city of Amalek and lay in wait in the valley. Shaul said to Canaan, Go away, withdraw, leave your homes there with the Amalek. Otherwise, I might destroy you along with them, even though you were kind to all the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So the Cani went away from among the Amalek. Then Shaul attacked Amalek, starting at Abilah and continuing towards Shur at the border of Egypt. He took Agag, the king of Amalek, alive, but he completely destroyed the people, putting them to the sword. However, Shaol and the people spared Agag, along with the best of the sheep and cattle, even the second best, also the lambs and everything that was good. They weren't inclined to destroy these things, but everything that was worthless or weak, they completely destroyed. Then the word of Adonai came to Samuel. I regret setting up Shaul as king because he has turned back from following me and hasn't obeyed my orders. This made Samuel very sad so that he cried to Adonai all night. Samuel got up early in the morning to meet Shaul. However, Samuel was told Shaul came to Carmel to set up a monument for himself there. But now he has left and is on his way down to Gilgal. Samuel went to Shaul. Shaul said to him, May Adonai bless you. I have done what Adonai ordered. But Samuel answered, If so, why do I hear sheep bleeding and cows mooing? And Samuel said, they brought them from the Amalekites because the people spared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to Adonai your God. But we completely destroyed the rest. Then Samuel said to Shaul, stop. I'm going to tell you what Adonai said to me last night. He said, speak. Samuel then said, You may be small in your own sight, but you are head of the tribes of Israel. Adonai appointed you king over Israel. Now Adonai sent you on a mission and told you, Go and completely destroy Amalek, those sinners. Keep making war on them until they have been exterminated. 
Why did you seize the spoil instead of paying attention to what Adonai said? From Adonai's viewpoint, you have done an evil thing. Shaul said to Samuel, I did to pay attention. I did to pay attention to what Adonai said. I carried out the mission on which Adonai sent me. I brought back Agag, the king of Amalek, and I completely destroyed Amalek. But the people took some of the spoil, the best of the sheep and cattle, set aside for destruction to sacrifice to Adonai your God in Gilgal. Samuel said, Does Adonai take as much pleasure in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying what Adonai says? Surely obeying is better than sacrifice, and heeding orders than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of sorcery, stubbornness like the crime of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of Adonai, he too has rejected you as king. Shaul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the order of Adonai in your words too, because I was afraid of the people and listened to what they said. Now please pardon my sin and come back with me so that I can worship Adonai. But Samuel said to Shaul, I will not go back with you because you have rejected the word of Adonai, and Adonai has rejected you as king of Israel. As Samuel was turning around to leave, he took hold of the hem of his cloak, and it tore. Samuel said to him, Adonai has torn the kingdom of Israel away from you today and given it to a fellow countryman of yours who is better than you. Moreover, the eternal one of Israel will not lie or change his mind because he isn't a mere human being subject to changing his mind. Then Shaul said, I have sinned, but in spite of that, please show me respect now before the leaders of my people and before Israel by coming back with me so that I can worship Adonai, your God. So Samuel followed Shaul back, and Shaul worshipped Adonai. Then Samuel said, Bring Agag, the king of Amalek, here to me. Agag came to him in chains and said, Without doubt, mine will be a bitter death. Samuel said, Just as your sword has left women childless, so will your mother be left childless among the women. Then Samuel cut a gag in pieces before Adonai in Gilgal. Samuel returned to Ramah, and Shaul went up to his house in Givet Shaul. Never again did Samuel see Shaul until the day he died. But Samuel grieved over Shaul, and Adonai regretted that he had made Shaul king of Israel.
Hebrews 8, 1 through 9, 5. Here's the whole point of what we have been saying. We do have just such a Cohen Gagadol as has been described, and he does sit at the right hand of the greatness in heaven. There he serves in the holy place, that is, in the true tent of meeting, the one erected not by human beings, but by Adonai. For every Kohen Gadol is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. So this wouldn't be a Kohen at all, since there already are Kohen offering the gifts required by the Torah. But what are they serving is only a copy and shadow of the heavenly original. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, God warned him, See to it that you make everything according to the pattern you were shown on the mountain. But now the work of Yeshua has been given to do is far superior to theirs, just as the covenant he mediates is better. For this covenant has been given as Torah on the basis of better promises. Indeed, if the first covenant had not given ground for fault-finding, there would have been no need for a second one. For God does find fault with the people when he says, See, The days are coming, says Adonai, when I will establish over the house of Israel and over the house of Judah a new covenant. It will not be like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand and led them forth out of the land of Egypt, because they for their part, did not remain faithful to my covenant. So I, for my part, stopped concerning myself with them, says Adonai. For this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says Adonai. I will put my Torah in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. None of them will teach his fellow citizen or his brother, saying, No, Adonai, for all will know me, from the least, from them to the greatest, because I will be merciful toward their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Now, the first covenant had both regulations for worship and a holy place here on earth. A tent was set up, the outer one, which was called the holy place. In it were the menorah, the table, and the bread of the presence. Behind the second curtain was a tent called the holiest place, which had the golden altar for burning incense and the Ark of the Covenant, entirely covered with gold. In the Ark were the gold jars containing the manor, Aaron's rod that sprouted, and the stone tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim, representing the Shekinah, casting their shadow on the lid of the ark. 
But now is not the time to discuss these things in detail. Now this is how the copies of the heavenly things had to be purified. But the heavenly things themselves require better sacrifices than these. For the Messiah has entered a holiest place, which is not man-made and merely a copy of the true one, but into heaven itself. In order to appear now on our behalf in the very presence of God. For the Torah has in it a shadow of the good things to come, but not the actual manifestation of the originals. Therefore, it can never, by means of the same sacrifices, repeated endlessly year after year, bring to the goal those who approach the holy place to offer them. Otherwise, wouldn't the offering of those sacrifices have ceased for if the people performing the service had been cleansed once and for all, they would no longer have sins on their conscience. No, it is quite the contrary. In these sacrifices is a reminder of sins year after year. For it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Father God, we come to you this morning in unity. Together, we humble ourselves before you and ask for directions. You are so good at giving directions, Lord, and we trust that you are doing, doing this as we speak. As we humble ourselves before you, you're giving us the instructions that we need to go forward with our lives. Father God, we dedicate our hands to you and all the things that we do. And we ask that you would protect us and protect our loved ones from the evil one. Help us to see what is evil. Help us to know the difference between evil and good. You've always been good at clarifying this for your people and we trust you to do that for us today, Lord. In the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, we come before you. Amen. Amen. Now this is how the copies of the heavenly things had to be purified. But the heavenly things themselves require better sacrifices than these. For the Messiah has entered a holiest place which is not man-made and merely a copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, in order to appear now on our behalf in the very presence of God. For the Torah has in it a shadow of the good things to come, but not the actual manifestation of the originals. Therefore, it can never by means of the same sacrifices, repeated endlessly year after year, bring to the goal those who approach the holy place to offer them. Otherwise, wouldn't the offering of those sacrifices have ceased? For if the people performing the service had been cleansed once and for all, they would no longer have sins on their conscience. No, it is quite the contrary. In these sacrifices is a reminder of sins year after year. For it is impossible 
that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. Gee whiz, I can't believe our time's already up. My, and I haven't even covered all of the why questions. We have so many different why questions that you all are asking. Why do I want to do this? Well, I think I have a lot to offer. I think that uh, I can remind you about stuff that you might forget. And you're helping me at the same time by spending some time with me. We're helping each other. What a great time that is. It's always so nice to have a friend that sees the same way you do. Be glad that you have friends. Everybody should have some friends. Thank you for listening. Grandma B checking out. I will check in with you soon. I will be here again real soon. I'm beginning to like it so much you may see me in a few days. Shabbat shalom.